Welcome back to Therapy Insiders podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Got a question for you. Let's say you're having Thanksgiving dinner, Easter dinner, Christmas, Hanukkah, whatever it is. You're sitting at a dinner table with your family. How many of your family members know exactly what you do? Let's say if you're a physical therapist, chances are that's who you are listening to this or a rehab professional. When you're when you're chatting about your day, does your family really know what you do? Not who you are, not that you're not that you're a physical therapist or a chiropractor or a physician, but exactly what they do and what you do. Chances are no, and, and, and especially in physical therapy, this is this is a big problem for us because we don't have an identity. This is a big far-reaching issue. And in this episode, my guest slash co-host, Dr. Heidi Janenga from WebPT, shares her experience that she went to um, HIMSS conference, which is a huge 40,000-person conference for, for medicine, for IT. Uh, it. It's one of the biggest ones, and PT just did not have a voice at all, even when talking about low back pain. So have a listen to this conversation, and let, let's keep it going even more and make it actionable. Let me know what you think. Here we go. Before we get into this episode, let's hear a word from our sponsor, WebPT. Insurance is a complicated beast. It's even more complicated for your patients, I promise you. So wh- what do you do when your patients don't really understand their benefits or if you're struggling to collect payments from from the patients with high deductible plans? Like, wh- What do you do? How do you combat all these changes in the constantly evolving healthcare landscape and insurance is confusing as it is and I'm sure you have all these questions I get plenty of questions about insurance um, and I usually ask them to people that really know insurance a lot better than I do but there, there's so much information and, and thankfully Heidi Janenga WebPT president and co-founder and WebPT CEO Nancy Ham sat down and did an awesome webinar which you can find at webpt.com forward slash sticker that's webpt.com forward slash sticker free webinar about insurance you you can all these questions that i posed in the beginning get answered if you're if your patients have questions about high deductibles and just how you deal with this entire complex environment in a really customer experience friendly way definitely check out webpt.com forward slash sticker for their free webinar on all stuff, insurance, deductibles, health plans. And now, let's get into the therapy. Welcome back to Therapy Insiders Podcast. Dr. Gene Shirakabrad here. Um, my usual co-host, Noah Staaki, because we're we're rolling up our sleeves um, and we're, we're going after it on this on this episode. So my, my guest slash co-host today is Dr. Heidi Janenga, president of WebPT, co-founder of WebPT. Heidi, welcome. 
Hey, Jean, it is so awesome to be back here. I, we always have the greatest conversations and uh, looking forward to this one. Me too. Like we just had a uh, just a, a nice little pre-podcast conversation. I literally rolled up my sleeves, Heidi. Um, I'm standing. I do all my podcast standing, but right now I'm bouncing a little bit just because of just because I got the fire and, and the blood boiling a little bit from from our pre-chat and and really from your article that you wrote. Yeah. So uh, uh, you know, I'm a contributor to the EIM blog, and um, I always like to kind of post a more op-ed sort of a, a, try to stir up a little bit of controversy if, if possible or at least conversation uh, with the pieces that I post there uh, and this month's post was uh, a reflection of what I had learned at the HIMSS conference. Uh, WebPT uh, has attended HIMSS on uh, on occasion over the years um, and it's a it's a really great place if if you haven't heard of it, um, HIMS is the Healthcare Information and Management Systems Society, uh, which is pretty much the largest healthcare uh, conference that there is, specifically geared, I think, more towards uh, IT and technology, but it, it definitely includes clinicians, executives, vendors, um, and of course, health, healthcare IT professionals too. But I mean, it is gigantic. 40,000 plus people were in attendance uh, this year at Orlando. That's a lot of people. Yes, there's a lot of people. I mean, the trade show sort of floor compared to, let's say, I think CSM is probably the biggest uh, show in, in, uh, in physical therapy, and it, it literally put that to shame in terms of the booths and the sizes of them. I think probably the, the Cerner booth was probably – the third, a third of the entire trade show floor uh, at CSM. Wow! And out of those forty thousand, Heidi, how many were physical therapists? H- hell, how many of them were rehab <laughs> professionals presenting or having any kind of relevant voice there? So zero presentations, uh, zero voice that I heard. I mean, I was there for for th- two of the four days, uh, and I was actively seeking them out. Um, but I will say that will no longer be true as of next year because we are absolutely submitting and going to be somehow either presenting or showcasing uh, rehab because it was pitifully um, embarrassing, uh, to say the least, that you know in the, the largest healthcare expedition that physical therapists were, were not at all represented. And, and to it, me, it was a wake-up call, right? It was a big wake-up call. We, we, so, so we've attended in multiple years in the past, and there's always kind of a theme. Um, you know, when uh, ICD-9 was changing to 10, like the, the two years prior to or a year prior to that, it was all about, you know, transitioning into the ICD-10 code. So, you know, the, the majority of the vendors were really moving and, how, you know, how do you actually get your people trained and why is it important and all that kind of stuff. Um, and so they were, you know, very broad healthcare topics, um, with these undertones of, you know, clinicians and, and other professionals having to understand what is the next trend, what is the big thing in, in healthcare. Um, this year, the kind of uh, the overarching theme was a lot about value-based care, i.e., where is physical therapy. <laughs> um, <laughs> And then interoperability, which is definitely something I think we're only on the cusp of talking about in phys- as physical therapists, which we need to have a much finer point on what that means and how it affects us. But 
um, you know, especially when we talk, start talking about value-based care and population health, I mean, for us to be absent, that, uh, I thought that was, that was terrible. Yeah, it is. I mean, and there's wake-up calls. Like, I, I have one of the, I have the blue hue, Philips Hue lights, and mm-hmm. we can sync them up, and we, we wake up with a, a light facing our faces that simulates sunrise. That's 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 a nice wake up call, Heidi. It's 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 refreshing. It, it it helps the body naturally wake up. And then on the other spectrum of that, you have the jackass wake up call, jackass the show, where the guy jumps on you in the middle of the night and slaps you across the face, and all of a sudden his buddy runs across and shaves your head. Then there's that kind of wake wake up call. I feel like it, it's more the latter. What, what you're talking about. That was about. the point of my blog. Honestly, I came back very angry. Um, and actually I, after, uh, one of the, um, one of the, uh, things that I wrote about in, in the blog was an experience that I had, uh, in the trade show room in which they were showcasing interoperability. Um, and they had different sort of, uh, areas of interest. One of them in big letters over the top was low back pain. And I immediately eyeballed that and I thought, oh, for sure they're going to have, like, how are they going to integrate, you know, physical therapist information into this low back pain uh, cycle, right? Because they were talking about um, how do all of the providers within an episode of care of a patient uh, understand and have access to the patient information from the point of entry into the healthcare system to the time they actually uh, get better. And so... For sure, I was like beelining there. I was like, whoa, cool. Maybe they have hospital information on PT and how are they going to integrate? Well, I get there and I listen to the 30-minute presentation and they go from hospital or they go from primary care provider or ER, however the point of entry is for that patient, and they talked about how great it was that then, you know, the patient can get info or the patient can have access to information and that whatever happened, whether it's x-ray or MRI that happens, um, can then be, you know, transferred back to that physician and then back to, and now on to a spine specialist, um, potentially a chiropractor, uh, and then, you know, they should be better. And I'm, cl- I'm clenching. I'm literally clenching my jaw right now. I'm not saying that's why I'm not saying anything. I, well, and, and then they also added uh, physical medicine rehab. So if it's a non-surgical candidate, um, then the, you know the, the PM&R physician who may be giving them injections and whatnot uh, could also have this information, where you know all the, the 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 finer details could be passed along. And I literally was doing the same thing during the presentation. I was like I. If you could have seen me, I think there was like smoke coming out of my ears because I, you know, I was grinding my teeth. Um, so I, I graciously listened to the entire presentation and then, you know, asked two or three people, during, you know, who were presenting. So where does physical therapy fit into this, uh, you know, episode of care? And they all looked at me dumbfounded, like, what? Like what? What's physical therapy? <laughs> and that therapy? was the slap in the face. Jackass moment. Mm-hmm. Like, no clue. No clue. And then one of them piped in and said, oh, yeah, well, yeah, that's a really good point. We just didn't really have uh, any relevant or, or, or specific, you know, 
connective data points that we could that we we had to do during the presentation. Um, but if it's in a hospital, you know, the hospital might you know have the ability to connect that information, like totally glossed over. You know, so he was, he was just trying of, to make the situation less uncomfortable. <laughs> Right, because I'm sure they had felt the daggers coming out of my eyes at the moment, <laughs> at that particular moment. But it was. It was literally the jackass sort of slap in the face. I was like, holy crap, like we are completely irrelevant in this entire cycle. Um, and granted, it was one, you know, anecdotal, you know, thing. But I mean, you know how many people passed through that booth throughout the, you know, four or five days that, you know, they were doing these presentations? A lot. Um, I, I wish it was one anecdotal piece, though, Heidi, and it, it's it's not. And I, I think I think to to sell it as anything other than it's it's a big epidemic within our profession that, and we talk about this often, and we we experience these micro situations daily when either it's a family member that they go, oh, you know, I hurt my ankle. What'd you do? I don't know. Uh, went to see my primary care. Well, why, why didn't you call me? Why didn't you call like it's even your family members or your friends? Well, why didn't you ask me? Oh, I didn't even think about it. I didn't think PT could could do that. It's just it, it's 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 yeah. it's a problem. I think you guys have talked about this. We do, we just still do have a branding problem, and you know whether we call ourselves you know physical therapist or physiotherapist or whatever. At the end of the day, like I don't think that's the most important thing. I think it's getting the you know. J- the general public to understand what physical therapists do and the value that we provide. And I think that's unfortunately a, a huge uphill battle um, because we, we have a lot of amazing specialties. And so having to agree on, you know, one particular, uh, you know, um, position statement to say that encompasses everything that we do is just very, very difficult. Um, you know, I think it's, it's why chiros have been able to do what they do because even though they have some smaller specialties at the end of the day, what they, they, uh, pin themselves on is, is treating spine, right? Um, even though there's, you know, I'm sure there's a lot of them that treat, you know, say they treat the entire body, but for the most part, it's, it's about the spine. That's, that's kind of their, their go-to. And so when you have such a narrow niche focus, it's easy to be, to, to create a brand around that. Um, it's, it's a lot more difficult for us because there are multiple specialties that we have, I, I believe. Right. And, but and not to say that should be an excuse. Exactly. And, and Kairos, Kairos have a, they, they've, they've aligned their brand identity over crack, over cracking, right? The, the manipulation that yes. they have this one unified concept, which, Long term, that's not necessarily great, obviously, but up to this point, it's done them pretty, pretty good job because they can they can pivot and adjust and, and expand from that. It's kind of like, it's the same thing with with scaling a company. You start with your core competency, and then from that you build on and you expand and you diversify. W- what is yes. our core competency, Heidi? Yeah, well, that's a good question. I mean, we we we've circled a lot around movement. But that's so generalized, I think, uh, that, you know, it's difficult for, for anyone to sort of grab onto. Um, but, you know, when we, when we talk about sort of the, the differences in, in what is, you know, I guess, I mean, if you want to talk about brand, like, how do we align ourselves with one particular message? Um, I, 
you know, we even did this at the uh, at the uh, Graham sessions, and we all had very uh, a whole lot of difficulty to it, or, or to, to actually come up with something, um, because there's so many voices in the room that, you know, it's it's hard to sort of to put a, a, a very focused point on it. Um, but I guess the good, good news that I got out of HIMSS was that, you know, the value-based uh, care model that sort of we're tra transitioning into, um, there are those other providers out there that do understand the value of physical therapy. Um, and so I think that... You know, we've, we've traditionally been a provider that has relied on others to refer to us. And one of the big pushes over the last, you know, 10 years has been about direct access um, and gaining our own autonomy, which I think is extremely important. Um, but we also, in that cycle, I believe, have sort of isolated ourselves um, and... You know, we, we have a reputation of not playing nice in the sandbox with others. We're so uh, protective of, you know, what we do and, and, you know, not letting others have be able to do that. I mean, we've clashed with athletic trainers, we've clashed with massage therapists, we've clashed with chiros, um, you know, we've, we've clashed with everybody uh, in, in sort of this quest to, to protect our territory, which our territory is vast. Right. And uh, and it, there's I guess there's nothing wrong with it because, you know, it's a slippery slope. You, you continue to to let, you know, things go and, and you know, pretty soon you have nothing. Uh, I, I get that. But I think that especially as where we are in the transition into this value based care model in which, um, you know, it's about collaborative care and not siloed care. Like we all need to be thinking about. How, the patient, putting the patient first and what's best for the patient. Um, and sometimes that means working collaboratively. It should mean working collaboratively regardless whether that patient comes into you first, right? Right off the street with direct access. Um, you may be able to treat that patient independently, but most likely, especially if they have any comorbidities that you need other insight into that's beyond our scope of practice, you're going to need to reach out and have a network uh, of folks that, you know, are going to be able to, to help at the end of the day, get that patient where they need to go. Um, and, you know, the good news at, at HIMSS was that I actually, so there was a lot of talk about outcomes in the whole value-based care model. Um, there's a lot of talk about outcomes. So I went to, you know, a few different uh, presentations on outcomes. And, you know, one of, one of the, uh, the ones that I, I wrote about in the article as well was uh, one that was actually presented by an orthopedic surgeon. Um, and, you know, some of the good news was is that he had mentioned a lot of the similar outcome measures that we are using in physical therapy, at least the ones that are more cross-disciplinary, like the Oswestry and, and the NDI or the Neck Disability Index, um, which, you know, do resonate with, with physicians. Um, but there are also quite a few more um, that, you know, they are, that are really gaining a lot of traction in the healthcare space um, outside of even just orthopedic surgery, but that are, they're trying to broaden the base across multiple disciplines so that, you know, the patient doesn't have to necessarily fill out so many different forms, but you can get that 
information across uh, you know, multiple disciplines that, that whole interoperability piece so you can watch the patient improve their progress with each provider that, that, that gets introduced during that uh, specific episode of care. But in this presentation with the orthopedic surgeon, um, you know, he was very, very honest uh, about the fact that um, where he practices in the Northeast, uh, they are very open and transparent with their outcomes data uh, and have done a ton of research using their outcomes data. They heavily rely on physical therapists post-surgically and pre-op to um, actually you know, incorporate them into the best, uh, best practices for, for the patient. Uh, the issue is that he said that the, he just didn't have any mechanism of gaining data for, from those therapists, that it wasn't existing enough for him to actually incorporate it into the overall scheme, whether it was that we were using different outcomes or proprietary outcomes that he didn't care about and didn't, you know, the, the meaning scores of those uh, outcome measures were, were just not meaningful to, to the overall, uh, you know, um, community as a whole. Um, and which, which, you know, the, the big thing was is that he said that they have to train their orthopedic surgeons when they come into their hospital community to know the value of physical therapists because they don't get trained in uh, during medical school about physical therapists and what we do and the, and the education that we have and the value that we provide and how all of that should come together in a collaborative care model, hmm. which I was like, why don't we just start there as, a, as, a, as an organization? Like, how about we just collaborate with, you know, at the, at the student level of student therapists and student orthopedic surgeons together? I think that should be the next PT pub is invite orthopedic surgical residents to a like PT that. pub night. I like that. See, I, I, I consider myself a realistic optimist, Heidi. I, I think that within, within anything, there's opportunity. And 100%. Yes. What's that? I said 100%. I agree. I like it. And in, in something like this, obviously, the, the initial emotional response is, is anger, frustration, and fury because we're so vested in physical therapy. Mm -hmm. we, we've built careers, obviously. We put so much out for the growth of the profession. And because of that, it, it's hard to, to, to separate emotion and, and logic. But if, if, we break, if we break it down, and, I, and I'd like to propose something to you and see what you think. And obviously, we've been thinking about this a, a long time, you, me, WebPT, UpDoc Media, it's these conversations happen a lot, as, as, you've, as you've mentioned. It's what happens after the conversations? How do we actually do something and implement it? And I think it really comes down to, to, to kind of three things. One, it's to speak a common language, and that's not necessarily words. Obviously, we have our own lingo. Other health professionals have their own. That, that's, that's, that's always going to be that way. But one common thing, one common language we all speak is data, is outcome results, which is why you've been so big on it, because it, it's, it's a common language. So that's one piece. Well, and I'll just take a step back there, yeah. Gene, because it is a common language in the, in the nomenclature of outcomes, but it is currently not a common language of the standardization of what outcomes that we can actually collaboratively use. That, that's a great which, distinction, yeah which I think is incredibly important. And, you know, act, speaking about action, um, you know, we are involved with some different work groups right now uh, to really help move the bar on standardization. 
Um, and actually, uh, you know, kudos to the APTA, but Justin Moore is also going to be coming to the WebPT offices here in the next uh, month or so to have a, a, a larger conversation about, you know, what what should we be doing? How do we standardize? How what is you know what what is the data? Uh, how does how does data fit into the, this whole thing? Because I know that they're they're very much thinking about it. Obviously, with the PT registry, um, the APTA registry that came out, um, it's obviously very critical uh, to this next phase of what happens in terms of healthcare reform and how physical therapists fit into the picture, big, big bigger picture. And that's the healthcare picture because. In reality, most people, everyday consumers, they really don't care about that data as much as how we, as our our colleagues in the healthcare system, because I think that that's a doorway, and an entry to say, look, this this is how we matter. And I'm not talking extremes there. Of course, people want to know that we're effective and some some data matters on that uh, in a personal relationship. But in the grand scheme of things, like you said, we need to speak. A, a well, first we need to find that common language within the data and then speak it. Yes, I 100% agree. And then, you know, the, the hard part, and this is this is something that's going on everywhere, is everybody talks about big data. Um, and now we have piles and piles of it, but actually analyzing and, you know, making sense of it, I think is, is also extremely important. It's not about just collecting data anymore. It's, it's truly making sense of it. And how do you interpret it in a way uh, and presented in a way that, you know, is relevant and, and knowing the audience and what they are asking for uh, and need to, to really move the needle on, on affecting change. Um, and so that's really what a lot of these work groups are, are trying to accomplish is getting the right parties at the table, um, you know, who are decision makers uh, and change, change uh, makers uh, at, you know, the CMS level and, you know, the AMA level to where we can sit in a room and, and understand what are the needs on both sides um, and try to figure out the common language and common ground, as, as, you, as you put it, to, to really be able to collaboratively now go forward with meeting everybody's needs at the table and, and, and also putting the patient first, right? Right. Well, ideally, but we, we know that we don't necessarily live in an ideal world and not everyone's an altruist. And this is, this is still a big business. Healthcare is, and yes. a lot of that will come down to that. And, and the, the whole point of data, it's, it's the people that have the data can craft the narrative. And it's, I think if anything, what, what him shows us with 40,000 people crafting a narrative and, and physical therapy and rehab professionals, having zero say in that narrative, that's the scary part. Regardless of what data we have, if we can't have access to that narrative and help frame it, we're in big trouble. Yeah, that's it, Jane. That is, you hit the nail on the head. I mean, I think this has been our problem for a very long time is that we have been so reactive and felt like, you know, things always happen to us. Um, but right now we have the opportunity to, to be proactive for a change. Um, and, and I think, you know, there are a lot of people that are talking about this. So, again, you know, pushing people towards not doing things independently, but really getting together and making your voice that much more powerful as a, as a stronger voice collaboratively, I, I think is the real key right now. Um, you know, I, I applaud the APTA. I think they're, they're really trying uh, to do things that way. I know that, you know, there's, there's smaller groups out there that 
ABTAQI, the, the PTBA, there's a, there's a bunch of different groups out there that are really trying to, to move the needle and work collaboratively together, even though they may have differing sort of uh, opinions of, of what should be done. I think that they, there is behind the scenes some, some big conversation that's starting to happen now, rather than just you know continuing to have this divide and drawing the line in the sand between them. Um, so I have to pull out of, applaud all those groups for really understanding that the bigger picture is the industry as a whole, our profession as a whole, um, and seeing things like this, you know, just makes you uh, lower your sores and think about this isn't just about me or the ability for us to make another buck. Like, if physical therapists aren't aren't put into, I mean, look at look at what almost just happened. I mean, I know the uh, the Affordable Care Act didn't get overturned, but one of the main things that was on the chopping block was habilitative services. Mm-hmm. I mean, if that doesn't scare the shit out of people, I, I mean, they were willing to cut habilitative services, which includes physical therapy. Yeah. Well, well, to be fair, they're they're willing to cut a lot of stuff that does make well, doesn't sure. make any but kind I mean, of relevant was, sense. Yeah, they weren't they weren't cutting out orthopedic surgery. Oh God forbid! Although that that's a great pun, the cutting out. <laughs> yeah, I'll give you I'll give you that. But <laughs> exactly. Um, but you know, you, you did you, again. You said my favorite word, Heidi. You said opportunity, and uh, again, we've been very frustrated with this, and, and there's a lot of anger, rightfully so. But even so, even even without a voice in this gigantic conference of healthcare leaders, even without um, necessarily a say in the narrative up to this point or, or a huge say, we still have not only survived, we have thrived. We, we physical therapy is a thirty plus billion dollar industry. We have incredibly low. Um, unemployment rates, I think it was like 1.2%. We, we continue to grow year after year, and there's just so much opportunity. Even, even as we are pretty much unknown within the medical field, even as mostly unknown in what we really do and what we're capable of to the customers, to the consumers, we still thrive. And if, if, if we get a piece, just, just a piece, can you imagine all right, so what we've been really big on for a while now is is obviously letting the consumer drive a lot of this because if 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 we have a a better understanding or better better way to describe and and to market and to disseminate the message of physical therapy, how it's how it really helps the community and how it helps the consumer, then the consumer can take that message and go to their physician or come right to to physical therapy because to me that's the biggest value of direct access is our message comes from us. It does not get diluted by somebody else. So when, when we have referrals from physicians, it's still there. It, the initial message comes from them, and we have to deal with that once the patient comes to us with their preconceived notions and the perception of, of what's going to happen. Direct access takes that away, but it, more so having direct access is not enough. It's about what do you do with it and how do you make it relevant and effective. Yeah, I would agree. And I think that, um, you know, there's been some good conversation on Twitter about this based on the article is how do we get our research, which, you know, there's a ton of specifically on low back pain. How do we get the research out there into the hands of the consumers, right, to, to, to show them that this is the right path? And it's not about saving money necessarily in the overall healthcare system for them. It's really about them getting the best care and, you know, the quickest recovery 
uh, and pain relief um, path the fastest. And so, um, you know, we've we've had a, sitting, been sitting on a lot of research, and we've we tried to publish. I, th- I mean, I mean, we've published, but I've tried to get it out there to the masses. But I don't know that we've we've really done uh, the best job of that, of really getting that information out there, which is super clear, right, uh, of the right path um, f- that patients should be taking with, you know, the whole uh, getting the, the, the sooner you can get them into a, a therapist, the better off that they are for a specific diagnoses. So, um, you know, I think that, uh, you know, the, if we could get that out there more in a, in a direct message alongside of, you know, the fact that, you know, there's a lot of therapists that still don't, don't, um, take advantage of direct access. Um, you know, we did a study, I think we published something, uh, maybe a year and a half ago, you know, Arizona was one of the very first states to actually adopt the direct access path. And we have unlimited direct access. Um, and we just did a random, you know, list of, of therapy clinics in, in the greater Phoenix area and just randomly called them pretending to be a patient <laughs> and uh, said that, you know, we, I, I would like to come in. I have, you know, this diagnosis. I'd like to come in and, and see a therapist. And I think out of the 10 that we did, six of them said that I, I, we couldn't go in without a, a script. Even after we prompted them and said, oh, I thought, you know, Arizona was a direct access state. Like, I don't need a, I don't need a script to come in. Wow. Um, they said that no, this is the policy of our clinic. Is that in order to to come in and use your insurance, that you have to have a script? Which I I just felt like was astonishing, right? So I'm clenching again. I'm clenching again. <laughs> exactly. Uh, and so I mean, I know that there's a lot of fear out there. There's fear of liability, right? Of 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 not finding something and, and, and the whole um, misdiagnosing or, you know, not, not finding something relevant that, that really should have been there or, you know, just not having the confidence in, in being that primary care type of provider that you have to sort of screen for, for multiple things and differential diagnosis comes into play here. Um, but this also, for me, comes into feeling like you have a safety net with a, a group, good network of other providers that if there is a question mark a you could call and say hey i'm seeing this what do you think should they come over and see you or you know uh of just if you don't know send it to the right person who would know right it doesn't hurt to have them come in and see you establish a relationship understand that you as a physical therapists have the ability to do this and perform a very comprehensive initial uh screening and, and, and initial evaluation um and here are some red flags that I think that we should probably include your primary care physician on. Or, hey, you're in the right place, you know, however many visits, and I, I think we'll get you back in action. Uh, it, it's being that decision maker, I think, that, that leader taking that leadership role that hasn't necessarily been in our uh, our way of thinking that uh, that is is definitely a change and, and you know this this also comes into play with how what are we teaching our dpt students as they come out are we are we really enforcing this type of different mentality a different mindset of of who we are as, as clinicians and as providers and i think okay. that is changing i think it is changing but i mean then you go out into your clinicals and you see something totally different it's like okay well which is it <laughs> <laughs> 
it's very confusing and you're absolutely right and it's 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 very frustrating that what we have done is we have assimilated and we have modeled ourselves and we have um, really played by the rules of a system that pretty much ignores us and we don't have to do that we've modeled ourselves after other medical professions in terms of the customer experience, in terms of the setup, in terms of the look of the waiting rooms and everything, because we want it to be like big boys. Uh, we want it to look, we want it to be legitimate, we, we want it to be medical. Um, uh-huh. And that's, that's the time we have to adjust with the times because we can. We can set the new normal, we can set a new precedent of what that is, which is not sterile, which is not um, cold, which is not emotionless, because we know the millennial generation, whatever feelings you have on it, which will be the next biggest healthcare market, if they're not already, because they're already the biggest um, population as is, they expect different. They they expect a different type of experience. And if we can be on the forefront of that, of building a what will be, not necessarily of playing with what was, I think that is the only way to make sure that our future is secure. Yeah, I I totally agree. Um, you know, and besides the point of of focusing on millennials, I mean, who doesn't like to go some go to a business, receive great customer service, feel like you had value for what you paid for, uh, and had fun doing it? Like that shouldn't that shouldn't be just because a millennial walks in the door. I mean, I I think I I'm not a millennial, and that's what I look for when I go go to a business, right? And so. I think it's just you're right. We've we've especially with the whole sort of medical formatting that you know we've kind of adhered to, which is you know it comes out of our where we were born. Like that's that's it's a, it's an evolution of change and an adaptation to uh, you know what you know we, the only thing that we've known for many years or the way that what's worked for many years to to be frank, right? And so we're in this time of transition, um, and I think that uh, you know as we continue to, to evolve. And I think, you know, the good news is there's a lot of us that are saying the same things now, right? It's just, how do we get that implemented in the, uh, in a scalable, larger, uh, faster way throughout the industry? Because, you know, there are many people that unfortunately don't listen to your podcast yet, Gene, uh, to really understand what are the changes happening i mean we're we're always dumbfounded by people that don't even know compliance issues that are that are happening until either post or even right before and then they're scrambling to figure it all out um so there's you know it's just there's a lot of change that's that's happened and change is not always is not easy for anyone um some you know take it on better than others but um, right now, I think just we really have to be paying attention and come together as, a, as an industry and as a profession um, to say we need to, we need to transition, we need to jump on this value-based train that's happening before it leaves us at the, at the station um, because we do add so much value and patients understand when they are able to get to us those 17 percent like they get it but we need to we need to have a bigger piece of the pie Uh, and so how do we do that right and direct access is a great way branding is a great way but also at the end of the day like our number one area that we get referrals still to this day regardless of, of of direct access is from physicians right and referrals and so you know 
swallowing your pride to, to, to really get them to understand the, who we are and, and developing relationships with them. We've always done it, right? But it's just, it's, it's bigger, I think, than just, you know, bringing the, the box of donuts over to the, the physician in your area to, to get the best, ref, get, get those referrals. It's truly on a different level. It's a peer-to-peer relationship, not a subservient relationship that I think that's the mindset that we need to really change. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and that's, you know, that's one of the one of the most powerful things with with marketing and branding and developing a community following is is something that doesn't talk about is the leverage you have with other medical mm-hmm. professionals to, to show them that, hey, we have a voice with this community as a community influencer, not as just not as just a physical therapist, but as a community staple of a trusted source for for the people there. That's incredibly powerful. Yes, and when we can all come together to say, you know, what's best for the patient, that's when we really will actually transform healthcare. And those are the people you want to, you really want to partner with, the physicians yep. or chiros, it doesn't matter. It's when, when you have that conversation and you both sync up to that same common ground, then, um, then it all works out or should work out. Should work out. I mean, it's going to take time. It's going to take time. But, I mean, I, like I said, I think that there's more and more people. And what you're seeing, you know, nationally is this this same message uh, is starting to be delivered. And, and, you know, whether we think it's incentives or not, they're incentivizing our behavior by changing compliance factors. Um, and so, you know, carrot or stick, I guess, it, does, it doesn't matter. They, they're, they're molding and shaping the behaviors that they want overall. And if we don't have a voice in uh, in that sort of molding exercise of how it's going to look and feel, um, we're not going to like it. We're definitely not going to like it, but we have an opportunity. So we just, it, uh, we, we really need to embrace it, at, whether it's at the individual level in your clinics to be talking about it and, and embracing direct access, becoming, you know, more involved in your state chapters or even at the national level. Um, you know, we, I just, I, highly highly encourage as many people as possible to just at least understand what's going on so if it, if it you know pisses you off as much as it it does you and i gene at least that will hopefully spur inspire some some more advocacy or or involvement with some some different in whatever capacity that you can right and and the simple thing is just do one thing more that you haven't done before it's as simple yeah. as that if you're a student tell one of your friends about physical therapy in the, in our uh, mentorship masterminds group i've had them go on facebook live in their personal accounts and their profile accounts and just talk about stuff related to physical therapy and talk about stuff related to them because that that's how you make a difference is when you talk to your timelines not to just the dbt student group or just on twitter when you talk to your community and you talk to them like yourself not necessarily as a doctor of physical therapy but as Mark, as Allie, as whoever that is a physical therapist, that's when people really resonate and they go, oh, I didn't really know you, you do that, but that's really cool. I'll, I'll follow up. And, and that's how it snowballs. So just, just do one more thing yep. and don't overthink it. Yep. It's great advice. Simple as that. Simple as that, Heidi. We, we just fig- <laughs> we figure it all out. It's all solved now. Solving the world's problems. It's, it's what usually happens on this show, right? Exactly. I take my mic off and drop it, but it's a nice <laughs> mic and- just pull the other one out of the back of your shirt and you got another one. <laughs> I actually have about like three lengths in my right, right now. <laughs> Well, thank you. Thank you so much. One for the article. I think it was fantastic and it's always nice to, it's, 
it's unique to read something and as you're reading it your eyeballs kind of light on fire um so to come through with with kind of fiery passion in writing is very hard but it was it was very evident in that piece so thank you for writing that well, thank you. I appreciate it. I appreciate you giving me the opportunity to step on my soapbox uh, live. And then also, um, for those of you who haven't read it, um, you know, kudos to the EIM blog. Um, they have a, a lot of amazing articles uh, with some great contributors from all across the country of thought leaders. So uh, if you haven't checked out the EIM blog, definitely take a, take a peek at it because uh, consistently they have uh, great, provocative, thought-provoking thought um, uh blogs and, and, and posts and videos even on the, on there. So it's a, it's a good one to have, uh, uh, locked in on your, uh, on your, uh, group of things that you read consistently. Yeah, absolutely. And, and the podcast, Larry has his uh, leadership podcast, John and Jeff have their uh, clinical podcast, highly recommend them. Very, very good, informative. And, uh, we'll definitely link that article on the Updoc Media podcast page, so anybody that's listening, if you want to check it out, but uh, d- definitely uh, agree with Heidi. High quality stuff from our from our friends at EIM. Cool. Well, Gene, it's always a pleasure. Likewise, always always enjoy the chats. I'm gonna go. Um, I was gonna go drink a cup of coffee, but I think I'm gonna have to go like meditate or just calm myself <laughs> down, zen yeah. myself out. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you again. Appreciate the opportunity. Thank you, Heidi. Look look forward to for more um, for more awesome content from you. All right. Thanks for tuning in. Hope you enjoyed that episode. Obviously, it's it's something that's near and dear to our hearts to talk about how we can increase the awareness of physical therapy, because ultimately we know that if more people know about physical therapy, then the right people will come for treatments and, and find us because it's not always just about everybody because, yeah, it's to some level everyone can benefit but we want the right people to benefit at the right time and the only way that happens is if we have a clear message of brand identity and what we can do and and how these people can find us and this is something that obviously get is is a long-term uh, iterative process to get to a solution but we have to have these conversations and we have to start making little by little a change and, and like Heidi said and we talked about this episode if you haven't been involved, somehow start, whether it's posting on your timeline, doing Facebook Live, just talking about what you do and, and how you can help. Even if one person sees your Facebook message and goes, oh, huh, I didn't know I didn't know you do that as a physical therapist. That's a win because that multiplies. So that's the challenge to you. Go out and tell people who you are and what you do and why some of them can benefit from that. It's not enough just to be your company. Be an advocate from the profession, not just your job. Thanks for tuning in. If you want to hear more, check out updocmedia.com.